Today, Kel Aiello stopped by to puff and process some lemon bean with us. So, Kel, I'm going to have you just kind of like squeeze and smell it and kind of tell us what you're seeing there. Um, it's a nice, tight little uh, dense nug, but still a great size. Definitely get some really nice um, citrus and sweet notes off of it. Um, and why why did you specifically choose this strain? Like, what drew you to the lemon bean? Um, I'm always a big fan of lemon strains, especially this one has lemon skunk in it, so that drew me in. And um, it was a producer that I had heard about, um, and so I it, it was the first strain I had tried from them, and since then I've okay. become a really big fan. Nice. Okay. Uh, who is the grower? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, the grower is a company called Cresco. It's um, I once again had never heard of them until I moved down here. It's uh, spelled C R E S C O. And, and you're a... oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say they're um, they are in a couple of different states, which kind of like cookies or like some of those California companies, but they have like mm -hmm. um, personally a way better business model. Um, they even have the seed organization or seed program. Ooh. Yeah. And so like at first I was like, as a former grower, I'm like, Ooh, I love some of their strains. So that'll be great. But then um, I started looking into it and I believe seed stands for like social economic. Ooh, here we go. Social equality and education development. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I mean, that is also really cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like, they're all about like trying to find ways to actually like reinvest in communities and trying to like encourage smaller growers and growers, like minority growers as part of like their business, which is pretty cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then you're in Arizona right now. Yeah. I am. I, in the middle of COVID, I relocated <laughs> down to Tucson. Uh, well, what was it like? I'm sorry, kind of the tangent. What was it like moving in the middle of COVID? It was pretty crazy, um, especially kind of coming down through the Western states. We moved in the middle of October, so it was still Ooh. fire season. So yeah. coming down through Oregon and like Northern California, like literally clouds of smoke. Some places like active fires. Um, it was pretty crazy. Then the whole economic thing, like while we were coming down here, we started jokingly calling ourselves Washingtokies. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, we like just um, were smoking on our way down. We had as many legal stays as we could. And we just like piled all our stuff in the back of a truck and just uh, kind of we were aiming for Phoenix. We doubled back to uh, South California to be like, maybe we're SoCal people. Then we're like, ooh, but SoCal prices are rough. Yo. So... <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, ended up in Tucson. It's been kind of great. It's a weird little funky, like, blue enclave in the middle of a crazy red state. But yeah. Because of all the people who are like leaving California or places like Seattle because of prices or weather, um, it is slowly like once again this state slowly swung blue. Or the last election, yeah. so and like Tucson, it's always been this like crazy little hippie enclave. So like there's yeah. always been people who have just been like out here, you know, um, really involved in like humanitarian rights because of the desert and like the border crossing situations. Like it's been uh, yeah, it's been interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm happy that you found a, a good place to go. <laughs> um, but uh, let's get back, let's get back on track. I will, I can talk about other stuff all day. But um, my next question, since you're in Arizona, what shop did you buy it from? Okay, um, I went to this place called Harvest, uh, Harvest HOC or House of Cultivar, House of Cannabis, something Cute. like that. But um, yeah, they've got a one location here in store, here in uh, Tucson, and then another one up in Phoenix and some other places. I think they are have a couple locations in California as well. Oh, nice. And what, what was your experience like there? Um, the experience has been really interesting here because in November is when they voted to roll out, rec or to voted for recreational cannabis. Yeah. So the medical here for quite a few years. And then... Um, it took a while, like, um, there was Harvest, I think was one of the first places in town that rolled out recreational. So there was only one place, really one, maybe two dispensaries where you could actually buy recreationally in January and then other places have started rolling out. So the dispensary that I'm working at didn't uh, roll out recreational till March. Mm. So in the beginning, it was really crazy that one shop Harvest just had lines out the door and around the block for like that oh, first I month bet. or so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I bet. I mean, I remember when it like first became legal here and there was more than just one shop, you know, and the lines were ridiculous. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, let's talk about the packaging of the actual product for a second. So what stands out about this packaging to you? Um, I... Honestly, here in Arizona, especially because a lot of the grow houses are integrated with the dispensaries themselves, um, a lot of the packaging isn't all that appealing unless it's from like one of the kind of higher end third party growers. So, okay. um, and but what I really liked about this is a the fact that it was um, packaged in glass and it's a really nice jar. And then on the inside of their labels, like you peel off the paper and then they just have like information about uh, terpenes. And their company nice. on the inside. So that was really nice. Once again, not something you're seeing a lot of down here in Arizona, which is really interesting considering the fact that like up in Nevada and over in California, they're really, really into the terpene profile. So I feel like yeah. it's just taking a little bit of time to catch on down here. You know, and it feels like it's like 50-50 in Washington. And I know you bud tended up and I mean, we bud tended together in Washington for a while. Um and I don't know if that was your experience too, but it felt like some companies didn't even know what terpenes were up here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And like, this is THE testing. What more do you expect? <laughs> right? Like, it's not high THC. That's what you want, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. But then there are other companies that are like, no, all we care about is the terpenes, you know? Oh, so, yes. yeah, like Ravengrass. And yeah. Who was it? I also really enjoyed. Oh, who was it? The um, the farmers that had gone through the uh, LED, LED grow. Oh, uh, 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 trailblazing. Yes, trailblazing. Yes, trailblazing is awesome. And there's a new uh, there's a new brand on the market too called Camilla that's really awesome, and they're super focused on like the terpene profiles and stuff. I've really been liking their stuff. Awesome. But anyway, Anissa, you already talked a little bit about the smell of it. Is there anything else you wanted to add? You said it was kind of citrusy, lemony. Oh, yes. It's like a lemon head candy. Like, it's just so... I had uh, my partner compared it compared it to lemon frosting. But yes, once again, it's like citrusy and sweet, like candy almost. Yum. And then do you know um, if there's any 
specific medical benefits that are associated with this strain? Um, I do believe since it does have, um, it's a lemon skunk and I believe sour diesel are two of the parent strains and then just crossed with Eddie OG. So I know that sour diesel does, for being a sativa or sativa leaning strain, it does have like appetite stimulation. Right. Um, and lemon skunk usually does have that like just kind of great mood elevation. Yeah. Um, and then is there like a favorite fact or like just a, a, an interesting thing about lemon bean that you would want to share? Hmm. Um, honestly, just of all the um, sativa strains that I've had since I've been down here for, I think, maybe six months or so, this has been my favorite. It just has such, and especially for the price. Um, I'm sure you remember when things uh, went legal in Washington, mm -hmm. taxes, mm -hmm are pretty high here like 25 yeah. but the fact that yeah yeah the fact that this goes at like a pretty like a kind of mid-tier price and has been just as good as some of the higher tier stuff that i've smoked down here sometimes better yeah <laughs> all righty well with that little bit it is time to schmooze so let's do it go ahead and load load your bowl if you haven't already awesome first i'm gonna give it a little grind and it's Beautiful. just like coffee so you know exactly that like once you grind it you like ooh, are releasing even more of the like, oh, scent yeah. profile and aroma notes to it i know i honestly i don't always grind my flour before i smoke it and i feel mm -hmm. like i'm doing it wrong i am like <laughs> i'm sure there's someone out there screaming you're doing it wrong right now but i know i'm probably doing it wrong but it's i don't know it's like a special treat when i do because i'm like mm, yes terpenes mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's nice because like i said i definitely get like those um citrus notes in the beginning the sweet notes but there's almost like after grind it almost like some kind of uh, softer creamy notes to it as well nice so is how how are you smoking today are you smoking out of a pipe or a bong uh today i'm smoking out of a bong and is that your favorite method of consumption it is i do um <laughs> i had a friend one of when I was first smoking back in the day, who had like gone to India and you know they had done the whole like guru thing and spent a bunch of time over there while they were doing their uh, yoga school, uh, teacher training. Mm -hmm. And uh, but they always had this old quote. They're like, my guru always says, um, "Dry smoke, short life; wet smoke, long life." And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> I like, like that." <laughs> even if it's just for how it feels on your lungs, like I do always kind of prefer a, a bong when I'm smoking. Yeah. It's nice. You put the I, I like the um the bongs that have the nice big necks that you can put the ice cubes in. Oh yes. I was, get, gonna, oh. I was gonna say I'm like, oh I have an ice catcher in here and I forgot to put ice for this session. Yes, oh, the ice. ice catchers are the best. Exactly. <laughs> there might have to be like a little Simpson style uh visual or audio montage of me just like running over footsteps to the freezer <laughs> door cracking the ice cubes. <laughs> plink, plink. I like All it. All right, there we go. Mm -hmm. In fact, I might do that right now. I think you should. I yes. think that it's the best way to smoke it, honestly. Exactly. Be like, I owe it to myself. I mean, you know what? What is it? Tuesday? Absolutely. It's a Tuesday. Exactly. You owe it to yourself. <laughs> and besides, we made it through 420 week. I think we oh my gosh. everybody in the industry owes it to ourselves. Yeah, that was that was a 
the week leading it's i don't know 420 is has just become like another holiday like it's like another christmas or halloween or new year's like you know? oh absolutely <laughs> i'm like it is it's like christmas in april yeah it's because it's like kind of a specialized christmas but on the other hand if people yeah it's- who aren't in the industry don't quite get it. They're like, oh, but why are you busy right now? I'm like, it's literally the busiest time of the year for us. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then, of course, with COVID, I think, like, at a lot of places, have uh, spaced out the sales. So our, yeah. COVID, our uh, 420 sales started Thursday before. So it went for about a week. Oh, nice. I yeah. like that because, of you know people can't stand in line and and do the big massive crowds and stuff anymore for the, Mm. you know, for 420. So that's nice that they do it for like a week. Yeah. I haven't had a drink in a very, very long time since I started smoking weed. Like I just don't really drink anymore. Weed's my thing. I'm happy with that. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, now I do it so little that whenever I do, I'm like, and then I had a glass of wine and fell directly to sleep. Uh, okay (laughs) i am such a lightweight it's actually kind of nice (laughs) (laughs) i have two drinks and i'm like yes (laughs) exactly what exactly if i'm like with people then i can get the energy going but if i'm just at home i'm like oh i'm gonna have a glass of wine and then you wake up on the couch you're like okay i guess i wanted to go to bed yeah Uh, and now that i'm 30 i wake up on the couch with a headache (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what? see, usually when I wake up with this dry mouth, it's because I had fun. I got really high as opposed to I just drank red wine. Right. And then I just have to roll over and go, water, water. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, the good thing is my tolerance is super low. So back when uh, when the world opens up again, it'll be nice. A drink and a half and we dance on tables. Okay. I'm going to be right there with you. <laughs> All right, I am ready to go. Let's do this. Yay. Mm, that was really nice. Any extra like flavors or anything that really stand out on the exhale? Oh yeah, on the exhale, definitely get like a lot of like kind of spicy notes to it that I didn't Ooh. get on the nose interesting yeah definitely still the citrus but yeah like a kind of peppery caryophylline hit oh i like that i love (laughs) (laughs) caryophylline but also Uh a little bit of that like almost um because oh yeah yes you think you had smoked what was it Oh, albino koala from Ravengrass. Yes. Yes. And so it has a little bit of that, like, kind of almost eucalyptus. um, Oh, nice. That, like, kind of herbal, like, mm, yum, yum, yum. Yes, exactly. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you just want to keep smoking, I'm just going to kind of pepper some questions at you uh, while we we let your high settle in. So... While you are taking that hit, I'm going to ask you where you bud-tend at and how long have you bud-tended there for? Or just in general, how long have you bud-tended for? And when you can breathe, you can answer. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, I just started recently at the downtown dispensary here in Tucson. Nice. It's, um, I think I started there in either February or March. 
it's an interesting thing here because, um, like I said, I started when they were still in that nebulous period while they were still rec, but they hadn't, or medical only, but they haven't opened up for recreational. Mm -hmm. And so I had to apply for my dispensary agent card through the state. So I think I officially got hired in February, but I wasn't able to start until I had the card. And since everybody was applying for their dispensary agents to try to open up for recreational at the same time, plus it was COVID, there was a bit of a backlog. Yeah. I don't think I actually started till the beginning of March, maybe. Okay. Yeah, so it's been but, a couple of months, yeah. yeah. Just like a month and a half or maybe two months now. But you have previous bud tending experience, though. Like, this sounds like an interview all of a sudden. You oh, have yes, previous exactly. bud tending experience, <laughs> yes? <laughs> No, but I mean, like, like I know for certain because we attended together in Washington. So, like, I know at least you did that. Oh yeah. About some more, that, some more that would be cool too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, we had uh, worked together in uh, West Seattle. I was up there for I think a year and a half or so, maybe yeah. a little longer. And then I'd worked at a grow house in Seattle for about a year as well. And then yeah. I had, had my own grow previous to that uh, in Florida. That's yeah. I remember you talking about that, which is just so freaking cool. I mean, if you want to talk about that a little bit too, that is because that is really fun to listen to. Oh, it's um, it's a beautiful thing. I'm not gonna lie. It's just like it's. I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I used to grow blah blah blah." And they're just talking about like, but they just did it for like back in the day. And I'm like, when you do it commercially, just to, like make some money and like get out of the weed game so you can like kind of get yourself set up to be a legit type person or whatever that might be. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But I'm like, when you do it for the love of the plants, it's a different thing. Yeah. And you do it because you're just so intrigued by like these strains or by these, like, like I got super into um, land race strains. Nice. Everything's so hybridized. And I'm like, that's super cool. Like that's super awesome to have like these kind of really sturdy really interesting hybrids like once again to be able to smoke something that is uh sour diesel and lemon skunk together and then there's some eddie og in there and you're like okay that's great but on the other hand to be able to smoke like a straight up sativa strain from bhutan like right yeah to be able to be like oh so this is what like real durban poison is like this is why oh my gosh yeah, like this is why we crossed it with OG Kush and why Girl Scout cookies is such a huge popular strain. Like, yeah. So, yeah, that's been like an interesting little rabbit hole I've been falling into and loving for the past couple of years. Well, no, there's, I mean, I've had a lot of discussions with coworkers and stuff about how everything is a hybrid. There's, there is nothing on the shelves that is truly 100% sativa or 100% indica. Like, that doesn't exist. I mean, maybe very rarely, you know, like on, on the shelves, at least in Washington, does yeah. a, a true sativa or indica exist, you know? It's, yeah. It's super rare. It's super rare. And like, once again, like the fact that like, I think they've done genetic testing and realized that it's like, because anything, like if you go and look into the origins of sativa, you're like, oh, most of the oatmeal that we eat nowadays is a vino sativa. A mm -hmm. sativa just means like a, stra a strain of any plant that's like easily cultivated or that we've yeah. cultivated and we've started like kind of introducing or propagating. So, and like, you know, of course, like the Indicas came from, you know, like the Himalayan and or like kind of Hindu Kush region, what yeah. have you. And so you're like, so it is this kind of interesting thing where like 
you can find they're like heirloom strains or like heirloom tomatoes or what have you or they're like um coffee like heirloom varietals and coffee like it's so hard like you said to find those true land races or those true uh, heirloom strains and when you do it's like such a treat but like you yeah. said you just kind of have to realize that most of the Maui Wowie on the shelves nowadays is really Maui Wowie. Okay. <laughs> or um, it kills okay. me. I'll be like looking for seeds to buy and they'll be like, ooh, get our Durban poison. And you look into it and it's like, ooh, our Durban poison that we cross with skunk number one. So then yeah. you're like, well, then F you guys, it's not Durban poison. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like, that's not what I wanted. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for telling me. Thank you for being up, well, kind of upfront about it and not just being like, no, no, it's Durban poison, we promise. But Right. Um, so how did you get involved in the industry to start? Like, was it really the plants? Like, was that the thing that brought you into it? Um, yes, honestly, it was um, part of it was just the relief that I saw that it had brought to people. I remember in the beginning, just like, Oh, well, it was a couple different incidences. Um, I've been living in Seattle. It was before I moved down to Miami and I had broken my ankle. And I remember sitting around and being like, I don't like pain pills. I don't like, uh, and I don't <laughs> like heavy opioids and that type of thing. And so um, I took like the uh, prescription pills for like the first like five or seven days, just like when the pain was like really bad. But like the worst part wasn't the pain. It was the fact that like, I remember the sound of my, sorry, this might be a trigger warning. Um, <laughs> I remember the sound of my bone breaking Oof. and that still just turned my stomach Oof. and like, and because Oof. my leg was broken, I couldn't like get up and do something and walk and have like a physical activity to like take my mind off of it. And yeah. so just sitting there with like your leg up for like a week and just like having that. So like, as soon as I could, I just started kind of smoking to kind of take myself like kind of out of, or like. Because I had also realized that, like, it was, like, a really small form of, like, PTSD. Because, like, I just, yeah. like, kept replaying that moment in my head. And so, like, realizing oh. that, like, not only did the uh, cannabis help with, like, the pain, it also helped with, like, just by your brain and being, like, okay, now I can think about something else instead of being stuck in this moment. Yeah. And, like, seeing how it had helped other people. Like, my father had been in the military and he'd been a paratrooper been special forces for about 13 years and so like when he got out like between the time that he got out of the military and probably now I say he's had at least 15 surgeries oh my gosh yeah and so like to the point that he's had like both knees replaced and so like growing up like watching him he always loved being active we always would go for like hikes in the mountains and watching him like go from like having a lazy Susan full of like pain pills and pains for and, like pills for like all the other like for the nausea that you get for the pain pills or the constipation you get for these like uh, prescription pills or what have you. And so to like watch him at the time and not realize exactly like what he was like, how he was weaning himself off of that, but it was through cannabis. Yeah. And so to be able to like still be active, still be functional and to not be like pumping your body full of and, like, once again, there are definitely a time and a place for those things. But, like, yeah. when you need it for, like, a day-to-day -day basis and you're looking at something, like, that's a, yeah. A close friend of mine had um, endometriosis. And so I remember at the time it was, like, when Blue Dream was becoming really popular on the West Coast. And so it was just when I was starting to grow and I realized that it was one of the few strains that was ever, like, suggested to women for 
endometriosis or like PMS or anything like that. Yeah. And so to be like, wait, if women are half of the population, and let's be honest, probably half of the people that are smoking, why is there <laughs> only one like, there was so little talk about like, actually prescribing or like, you know, suggesting things like, you know, to like women and women's issues. And so because of that, I started growing it for my friend. And that's kind of how I got into growing it and realizing that, of course, at the time during the black market, like it was so easy to find heavy indicas because they yeah. go faster and they're easier to grow and like secret grows, but, and they're usually more productive and they yield more. But when you want something that's more of a, like, I, she still needed to be active and still needed to like be able to hold dry on the job and not just be like crazy heavy stoned all day. And realizing yeah. that that was like at the time, one of the few like strains that was like really recommended for like a daytime pain solution that kind of opened me up and brought me into my love of cannabis. Yeah. That honestly, I, I relate to that a lot because I got into bud tending because I wanted to help people, like especially at the dispensary that we worked at, you know, we had so many medical cannabis patients that would come in or people, you know, elderly people that would come in that were in pain. And it was just, I, I just wanted to help people, you know, and it, it made me really happy hearing success stories like your dad, you know, where people were able to, to get themselves off of at least some of their prescription pain medications, if not all of them using cannabis and, and still being able to find the same amount of pain relief. And of course that doesn't work for everybody, like you said, you know, mm -hmm. but it is wonderful when it does work for people. So yes. Yes. And like the fact that it has been something that people have been interacting with and using for 2000 years plus. Right. It, it's um, so to be in a time where, you know, I'm sure we both said it a lot at the um, in West Seattle, where it's like, it's like we're coming out of prohibition. This is like something that is kind of, it, it's not for nothing that people have, like, we have a endocannabinoid system, like we named it cannabis for a reason. It's because right? it it's, connects uh, with us. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, we, we literally have an entire system in our bodies and our brains that is meant to process this plant. <laughs> exactly. We've at least like evolved, you know, together. Like this is a, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, and like you said, so many people, so many people came in with, because I was talking to somebody earlier in um, Miami and like trying to like relate back to them about like what working at dispensary is like. And I'm like, sometimes it's super awesome because you have regulars, you have like these elderly people that come in and who, who will tell you like, I've been smoking since before you were born. Or I've been smoking yep. since the 1960s. I know what real value I was like. I remember what the actual Acapulco world was. Yeah. And um, yeah, or like you said, like having those people where like sometimes it's kind of like not tragic stories, but it's like you said, like trying to help people who are going through cancer treatment or something like that. And they're, yeah. You're like, well, chemo sucks and I still want to eat. So, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like we're already kind of answering this question, but I mean, are, are there, is there anything that you, you really like being a bud tender or anything that you really don't like about being a tender? Um, yeah, of course it's probably both sides of the same coin or to the yeah. answer would be like the public elements yeah. of it. Cause you can just have a really amazing interactions with people. You can have 
just really amazing conversations. You get to speak with people, you get to develop relationships with people. You get to, like you said, like hopefully like actually help them and help better their quality of life. But it is also working with the public. And sometimes you're just like, and I'm just gonna get screamed at for something that is absolutely nothing to do with me. Like I just showed up to work today. I literally just work here. <laughs> uh, or and actually, then, oh, go sorry. ahead. I might nope, provide an alternative answer, which is I think we're seeing it a lot in the United States, and I feel like it is really amazing to see this industry become a legal thing. But it is also like you, I believe, in a lot of places, it either already has happened or it's in the process of happening, and seeing smaller businesses and smaller companies and smaller grows get kind of swallowed up by the bigger operations yeah and the ones who don't really care about the product and it's like all right we have absolutely no interest in it we just put money into it because we saw that it was an industry that was taking it off yeah that's great but once again if it's a dispensary or something that like a good portion like you said of the uh, the people coming in are actual medical people yeah, it, it feels like there's, you know, in, in the cannabis industry, there's this group of people that really wants to preserve cannabis and wants to sustain it and help it be eco-friendly and help it be small businesses and small farms and, you know, a community thing, something that we can share with each other. And then there's also that group of people that just wants to fucking make money on it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. it, we, like, it's, it's both of them, and it's so frustrating, like, yes, and because, like, <laughs> go ahead, <laughs> oh, no, go ahead, yeah, yeah, it's, like, trying to find that line of, like, trying to make sure that this is still something that's accessible to people, but yeah. also not at the, because it's all about money, so, like you said, the only people that can get involved in it are people that have money, yeah. Or people that don't really care about the end of the plant, so they will just be like, oh, we barely passed pesticide testing. We're just going to push it through. And you're like, maybe yeah. that's this right? is actually going to medical customers. So, yeah. Right. I know. It's uh, it's like the thing, whatever you're smoking, you're putting in your, you're putting it in your body. So why would yes. you want to smoke pesticides? Like, yeah. Um, uh, and honestly, we're kind of on this topic already. Um, in your opinion, what are two negatives and one positive about the industry as a whole? What are two things that you really want to see change in? But then, like, what's one thing that's like, no, we're doing really good on this? Um, I would say maybe we'll start. Yeah, we'll start with the two negatives and then in a positive note. Yeah, I think that sounds good. Um, yeah, like you said, I think I just kind of spoke to like the interesting kind of corporatization that's happening in some places in the lead industry, or the fact that like the buy-in is just so high. It's in some ways it's like the alcohol, like I and when I lived in Miami, they're like, oh well to open up a bar, not even to open up a bar, but just to buy a license. It was like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that for oh, uh, and so you're so yeah, exactly. So you're like, okay, well that means that just if you don't have money, there's no way to get into this. Yeah. And in I don't know, so in Arizona it's kind of interesting because it's really here at the brink of once again just kind of going the way that a lot of the western states are seem to be headed, which is really awesome. But on the other hand, it's just so small here. And it's like 
trying to grow because things still aren't legal federally, or they still haven't, maybe I guess that's probably my second point, the fact that it's still schedule one. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, okay, so cocaine is schedule two, right? Methamphetamines. <laughs> Methamphetamines are schedule two. Hmm. The only one that's schedule one is freaking hair. Or that, like, one of the few other drugs that are schedule one is heroin. Really? Really? Like, right? Like, uh, it's so frustrating. It's and, yeah. and my, one of my big frustrations with it not going federally legal yet is all of the research that we're missing out on doing on this oh, plant. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It is so, there is so much that we're just now learning because of the fact that it hasn't been available for research. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, it's kind of one of those things where, oh, sorry, just like, I was talking to somebody earlier at work and they were talking about like, what if like the cure for cancer was out there? And once again, not at all, but like, I feel like in some ways we're in danger of CBD and THC becoming like the snake oil of our times. Yeah. You prescribe I, it for everything. And yeah. For everything, then it takes a lot of the legitimacy out of it. And people who didn't really think it was a medical thing to begin with, are just like, Oh, whatever. They're just getting high. And you know, I, I felt that frustration when I started seeing um, CBD products in like drugstores because mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, no, literally no offense at all to the people that work at the drugstore, but I, as a bud tender, am trained on these products and trained on what CBD is. And the person who works at the drugstore is not, and they are not going to be able to answer the questions about this that, you know, 90 year old grandma has. And that was where I was so. I had a lot of concern about that. And then, and then what are the regulations on those products? Are they the same as the ones in the dispensary? It was just, it, it, I was had, I had icky feelings about all of that. <laughs> yes. Or something, maybe kicking it back to like some element, adding another pharmacist or something like that, who could yeah. have it be something where it's like, okay, it is like to the point that if you have to go to the pharmacist to get cold syrup, then maybe you're, you know, they'll talk to you about it, all right? Because it has this ingredient in it. And you can yeah. ask questions if you need to or you want to. I think we, I think that was the two negatives, though. So mm -hmm. what is one thing that you really do love about this industry? Um, I do love the fact that it's, we're kind of here. We get to see it. We get to see this burgeoning. We get to, um, industry. We get to see it go from being fully legalized for the most part in most of the Western or in, you know, California, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, Arizona now, Nevada, Illinois, New York is heading is in the process of it. DC yep. is still super weird. You can grow it and gift it, but you can't sell it. Weird. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Massachusetts is a little weird they have it but there are a bunch of places where they don't want it and so they make it super difficult i remember when i was in massachusetts i was there right before covid hit and at the time as a recreational adult you could only buy an eighth per purchase oh my gosh <laughs> yes yes and you're like what okay sorry this is ridiculous i don't want all right i get it i first world problems absolutely but come on people no it it, it really is fun being a part of this industry as it is growing and like even though I'm a small fry I can maybe make a difference in how things are done 
like you said, it's really exciting to be here at the start of this. Like, I don't know. I kind of imagine this is how people felt when, like, Prohibition ended, you know, they could have their alcohol again. They were like, mm-hmm. oh, yes. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's exciting, you know? Exactly. When I was growing in Florida, I got to say for about the first year, I had dreams nonstop about what would happen if the cops showed up. Oh, I bet. And to be, because Florida has horrible jails. Yeah. Horrible jails. Uh, and um, so then to be able to move to Washington and be like, oh, wait, I'm a state where I can have two jobs in the industry and have it be pretty much almost completely legal. Like, that's pretty, uh, that was a really great feeling. Right? Yeah. To move down to Arizona and be like, okay, well, I'll do this. I'll work and I'll save up and I'll get a medical card because they're a little expensive down here. Um, and then to like be like, oh, no, wait, it just went. No, we just voted. It's recreational. Now I don't even have to do that. I just have to wait a couple months for them to literally just kind of roll it out. Man, that's really now, exciting. Yeah. And now, like I said, like there's a chance that in a year or two, we could vote, like we could move to New York or any other state that had it legal and still be able to work in this industry is kind of an awesome feeling. The fact that they were, I think they voted it through one of the lower houses in Mexico. And I think it stalled in one of the higher houses or the higher uh, in the Mexican Senate or what have you. But the fact Mm -hmm. for a moment, there was like, if it could just be decriminalized even here in the United States, nevertheless legalized. Um, and then in Mexico and then in chaos, like with Canada, that would be an entire continent. Right. Um, they've already have, uh, what is it in Colombia? They already started handing out the, or sorry, selling their licenses for um, either scientific or recreational crows or what have you. So, and they had like the structure to do it for quite a while, but they just now started um, actually doing the licensing process. But between that and Uruguay, like if this continent could just shift and like, it would just be like dominoes across the world. Kind of on still... topic though. Oh, go, 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 please go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, cause there's still crazy places like Japan who man, who uh, basically decreed mm-hmm. like, okay, well, we don't care if you're someplace that it's legal, it is still illegal. So if you come back with it in your system and we can still somehow, we catch you somehow, we can still. I don't know, kind of similar, I guess. Is there any cause or issue within the cannabis community that you advocate for? Um, Definitely, I would, um, maybe they're probably one and the same or two kind of twin elements to it, is the fact that if it is going to be so heavily taxed, making sure that that money actually goes to the right places. Um, I think it was Evanston, Chicago, is one of the uh, first places to actually take some of that money or take the money from uh, recreational cannabis and like earmark it towards housing and, and as a part of reparations. And oh, it's nice. just basically, yeah, basically to help like people who were like in these um, places where they had either had their houses like taken away or basically had their houses devalued um, because of redlining and other socioeconomic issues usually yeah. having to deal with race that yeah. they are now like, being like, okay, we're going to take like a certain amount of this money and make sure that people can apply for either money to buy a house or renovate their house. With That's the wonderful. Or the places like uh, Denver, where like a good portion of that money is supposed to be going to schools or what have you. So uh, the fact that like we can have this be something that is literally helping people on both ends. And then, of course, 
whatever government gets their money. But if you're sending it towards schools and you're sending it towards infrastructure or transportation or things that are actually making the community better, then it actually is a win-win. Yeah. And, and do you know, is there any way off the top of your head that people can either support that or get involved to help, you know, make sure that, you know, the money is going to the appropriate places or any organizations or anything that are working for that? Um, it's still a little difficult. I mean, it's um, part of it is just anything that happens on legislature just takes such a long time, um, especially yeah. to change the le legislature. If it wasn't something that was um, already started when the states kind of uh, started their recreational voyage. But um, it's also part of it is just like if you can, which is such a really shockingly small part of the industry, is finding any minority part of the industry you can support. Because yeah. I know when I was in Washington, it was really difficult finding minority-owned businesses. So if you can, oh, yeah. be they growers, be they dispensaries, be they you know an edible company or what have you, definitely, definitely show love. Um, I think there was oh something else that I was going to say which isn't quite related to this question but the last question which yeah, was yeah. the states that um, made sure that part of uh, legalization was also expunging people's records and making sure that we were mm. getting people out of jail who were sitting in jail for something that's now legal it's so yeah. ridiculous and it's so Honestly. silly and making sure that if yeah, yeah, it's not something that's going to prevent them from getting housing or getting jobs or getting schooling because they've been in jail for years and now they are, have fallen. So yeah. Do you have like a favorite industry story that you like to tell? Oh, my goodness. All right. So I was helping a different customer. And like it got to the end of the um, transaction and we were like had a nice little conversation. He turned to leave and he saw this guy walking in and the uh, the artist or the band guy, his like face just lit up. He's like, oh my gosh, he goes even more animated than he usually is. And he like gave this guy a hug, picked him up off the ground, and they were just like, I haven't seen you in so long. They talked about <gasps> how many years that it had been. He's like, I thought you were dead. He goes <laughs> all about uh, Yeah, yeah. So they like go outside on the porch and just like chat it up for like five or ten minutes and Later, so after uh, they're kind of done uh, uh, catching up and exchanging phone numbers, so they can catch up. So it was kind of just a cool little interaction to happen at a pot shop. So now that we have had a lovely little discussion and that high has had time to settle in, let's talk about it. So what are the overall effects of the strain? Let's roll with how about two positives and one negative. Um, I would definitely say it was a great strain for this podcast. It definitely does have like a nice kind of uh, energized feel and um, or energizing feel to it, but also like a nice kind of Gabby talkative, um, a little bit of a forgetfulness to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but still kind of fun for going on a story or telling a story, I hope. Um, and then do you feel like there's anything that you're like, eh, but I kind of don't like how this I feel this way you're like oh definitely a bit of cotton mouth but uh, yeah it would probably be solved by a glass of water yeah you know I I remember I can't remember who said it to me one time but it was when I was bud tending and it was someone else in the industry and they were talking about how cannabis has a symbiotic relationship with your body so when you have like the, the things that we need to survive are sleep 
water and food. And those are the three things that are the side effects of cannabis. Like the most known is munchies, cotton mouth and sleepiness. So mm-hmm. it's just telling your body what you need. So you just need some water. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. Um, do you feel, is there like uh, any similar strains out there? Any strains that you maybe like better or, you know, like the same as like anything that kind of reminds you of? Um, I would say because probably due to the nice kind of heady high to it, um, I would say it reminds me of either a good Matanuska Thunderfuck mm-hmm. or even something like um, a really good pineapple chunk. Nice. Something, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something that still has that like relaxed, comfortable vibe to it. It's not too racy it's not too like anxious or anxiety causing it's just like a really kind of chill but happy kind of uh turned on head high to it nice i like that that's those are kind of my favorite strains i i like sativas that don't give me anxiety yes (laughs) exactly there is enough to be anxious about nowadays that is not (laughs) while i'm smoking right okay (laughs) um Let's do just a quick overall thoughts and rating on this stream. So we're going to do like a 10 point scale. So I'll give you, let's see, four different categories and you give me your rating. Uh, One being, this is the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. And 10 being, I am in heaven. I have ascended. Mm -hmm. Um, So overall appearance. Um, Overall appearance, I would say probably an eight or a nine. I was super excited about it when I opened up the jar. It's um, one of those strains where it's just so frosty and so covered in trichomes that it takes Mm -hmm. a moment to see the green underneath it. Ooh, I love that. I love when they just look like frosty, frosty, frosty. Exactly. Um, like, it's just covered in like really, really like spring green or like yellow, like light yellow. Yeah. Um, what about the overall taste? Ooh, overall taste? I would say I would give it an, yeah, probably I'd still rank it pretty high, like an eight or so. It is really, um, like I said, that really smooth, really uh, spicy, citrusy taste. And then what about the smell? Um, I would give it a nine. Um, like it smelled like candy, but like and not not that artificial, not that saccharine, not that too sweet smell. Just that, yeah, just right. And then the last one. How about the overall effects? I would. Oh, now this is just going to be predictable. I was just going to say I was going to give it a nine. I've just been really, really pleased with the strain. Um, I've yeah. tried other strains from Cresco. And liked them quite a bit, but I think this one tops my list for probably, yeah, definitely in the top three that I've smoked since I've been here in Arizona. I'm going to give you, like, a prompt and then you answer. Customers bother you when? Only when they're rude. Not going to lie. Yeah. Only when they're rude. Um, I yeah. don't mind taking time with people. I don't mind explaining pe- things to people. I don't mind running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with people. Um, just so long as they are just even polite. Yep. Um, how about stoners bother you when? Stoners only really bother me when they think they know everything and then they want to talk about, I don't know, 
there's I realize that the Arizona industry still has a lot to like uh make not make up for, but it still has a lot of room to grow. But you'll get mm. people that come down from other states and be like, Oh well the weed down here is blah blah blah. The taxes are so high and it's like, Yeah, taxes are high where you're at too. They just include them in the price. Get a little yeah, right. <laughs> doing the I mean, everybody's a little bit of a know it all and everybody's a little bit of a weed snob or coffee snob or this or that. But if you actually are wrong in what you're saying, then, then don't say it quite so loudly. Don't right? say that an indica is going to put you to sleep, even if you smoke it right. Or like, if, oh, no, if you smoke an indica in the morning, it's going to put you right to sleep. And you're like, no, it's just. Mm. Okay. Well, certain strains definitely make you sleepy. But once again, there are strains like pineapple trunk, which is technically an indica or like by lineage, more of an indica. But it still has a great head high to it. Something like Candyland, or like it has two indica leaning parent strains in it, but it's classified as a sativa. So, right. What about your go to strain? Ooh, it does change. I definitely have strains that I always look for. Um, I'm always, if I can find a good jelly bean, or one of the favorite strains I had when I was in Seattle was that Lemon Walker from Bulldog. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, <laughs> Lemon Skunk and Skywalker OG. Oh, that was great. What about your favorite activity to do while high? Well, since this is a podcast about cannabis, I'm assuming people that are listening are over 21. So, I mean, obviously sex. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, right. it definitely it definitely adds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just like, just... Take two great things and somehow they're even better together. Of course, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't know what the correct answer was until you said it. <laughs> um, I mean, what about? Oh, go go ahead. Say, it's like orgasm helper. I mean, bam. Uh, okay. <laughs> what about your favorite show to watch while you're high? Ooh, my favorite show to watch. It depends on what I want to do. If I just want to sit down and turn my brain off, it's Bob's Burgers. Yes. If um, I want to be inspired to do something, it's the British Baking Show. Because when I'm high and that's on in the background, I am like, oh my gosh, there are so many things I want to bake. Or then I'm just like cleaning or what have you. Those are excellent choices. Yeah. <laughs> right now, what is your favorite song to smoke to or listen to while you're high? Yeah, so maybe I would say right now, um, I've been loving, and I might totally mess up her name, but this Brazilian artist named Flavia Colo. Last name is spelled C-O-E-L-H-O. Mm -hmm. um, and part you just can't listen to her music and not be happy. What is, we're going to kind of shift focus a little bit here. But what is one piece of advice you'd like to give to the cannabis to or to cannabis consumers and customers? Um, I would probably say THC percentage is not everything. Thank you. Yes, I was hoping you would say that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just especially like you said, with so much research going into what terpenes like really kind of help with just what it is you're looking for in a high or to remedy or just the fact that I worked for a gentleman and what did he say? He says, when you're looking for wine, you don't buy wine for the alcohol content. Yeah. 
you buy it because you like that vintner or you like that grape or you like or there's something about it like that was a good year i've i've heard it similarly described as when you want to have when you want to drink do you want a nice aged delicious scotch or do you want everclear <laughs> yes Sometimes there's going to be a great strain that's going to blow your top, but it's not going to be 32%. I have smoked some 13 percenters that have smacked me in the face. Like mm -hmm. THC percentage does not matter. Like, and that was, that was also the one thing that I would probably say too, is like, yes. please stop buying based on THC. Please, 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 please. When you find out what actually goes into the whole testing process, especially in places where you have more uh, options on being able to choose which lab you go to. And so you're like, well, if this lab kind of has a history of having higher test results, of mm -hmm. course I'm going to send my flower to that lab because I right? know it's, I know the percentages just don't matter. The terpenes are what matters. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Trust your um, nose. If you're in a place where you can trust your nose and trust your eyes. More than you trust that anyway. Yes. Absolutely. I know. Trust me. I wish we could smell here. Uh, that's the one thing that I really am so frustrated about. Yeah. But that's yeah. okay. We'll we'll get there maybe one day. And then what is next for you? Do you have any future plans uh, to stay in the industry? You know, or how how is a uh, how is bud tending kind of in your plan here? What's next? The dream is to live someplace warm and beautiful where it's legal, where I can have my own little crazy place in a small little field or a small little yeah. like greenhouse or something like that but mostly to just like kind of have it be like a recreation or like a tour like a thing where like people can like come and be like oh like an almost bed and breakfast type situation yeah where you could come and you could stay and you could like walk through and learn about this awesome awesome plant that'd or, be so cute yeah or maybe like some crazy little like amsterdam type a uh, coffee house someplace where yeah drink coffee smoke from the plants that we grow on the roof or something like that i don't know well kelly thank you so much for joining us today and that is going to wrap up our episode for one strain at a time oh my gosh that was really fun <laughs> yes that was you can check out our blog at MonroeBoulevard.com, which includes our social media pages. And please feel free to give us feedback in any way you see fit. We want to give a huge thank you to our listeners and to our lovely guest, Kel, for being here. And of course, our sponsor, 421 Store. <laughs>